0: Today, we get to talk about the parable of the sower. A sower, for those of you that don't know, is just another term for a farmer, basically. Um, and, and growing up, most of my life in Missouri, living here now, you might think I, I would know a thing or two about farming. Well, you'd be wrong. I have no idea. I'm about as city as they come. In fact, most of what I know about farming comes from my wife's favorite show, Little House on the Prairie. If you've ever seen it before, you know that's, that's their profession. That's, that's about the extent of my knowledge, which as a side note, that's actually where we got the name for our newest member of our family, our newest pup. His name is Jack. <laughs> he's, a, he's a cutie. But that's, that's where we got that name, is, is from that show. He's one of the dogs on the show, of Little House on the Prairie. And I say all this to say that some of the things that Jesus talks about, I don't fully understand. And what I'm about to share with you all is that you need to take it with a grain of salt. Grain. There it is. Oh yes, there are going to be plenty of those types of jokes where that came from. Because you can ask any of my students and you'll know that I live for the eye roll, the belly groan from dad jokes. It's great. That, that's what I thrive off of. But more so than my love for that, I love this passage. I, I love this parable and particularly the way that Luke, the author that we're looking at today sets up the story. You'll find this parable in all three of the synoptic Gospels, which just mean that you'll you'll find it across Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These three Gospels are very similar to one another, um, whereas the Gospel of John is a little bit different, a little bit out there. um, And we got to study through that as an entire church this past month. Uh, just talking about all uh, three of his miracles inside of service and also looking at the book throughout August. But they, this, John is entirely different than the other three, therefore those three are called synoptic, meaning that they're similar. So we'll be talking about why I love using Luke's passage in particular later, But I just wanted to share with you all a little bit like I do with my students I'm a little bit of a a nerd a little bit of a bible I love that type of stuff Um, And there are going to be a few tangents where I just take a moment to share my nerdiness because that's what I love to do That's who I am and we practice and we preach who we are And that's kind of how jesus played too, Because sometimes we didn't always understand what he was talking about and his disciples were like I have no idea what you're talking about, dude And so, Jesus gave different parables for a purpose. And he gave these parables to explain things in a way that if you wanted to connect with God, you would get it. If you weren't somebody that wanted to connect with God, you missed out. And many have phrased parables as earthly stories with heavenly meanings. These stories explain how God's fun- God functions, and if we take the time to think about them, then we can have a, a chance to truly reveal things about God. I-, I find this to be a lost form of communication, and it would be especially helpful for us to pick up, particularly in our society today, where everyone voices their opinions And everyone goes directly to the point without invoking thoughtfulness and tact into a situation. And Jesus masterfully expresses this communication style. And we actually get to see why he does this later on in the passage. But here's where we pick up the story. We're going to be starting in verse 1 of chapter 8 in Luke and if you would like to follow along, I think there's a, a, a little insert of the verses, as well as if you just take your seat back out in front of you. I've got the same Bible. I do this with my students all the time because that way we can interact with God's word on a physical level and allow us to see what, what's going on. So I do this with my students all the time. You know, I let them fumble through, try and figure out where it is for a little while, Uh, And then we all use the same Bible so that we can be like, okay, after a while, once you've kind of struggled a little bit, I'll just tell them it's on page 1036. So if you want to join along, feel free to um, grab one of those seatback Bibles, and it's on page 1036. And, And again, I love doing this because... I believe that there is something powerful about being able to hold God's word in your hand and recognize it as as God's word. So, uh, again, those of you who are turning there from your seat back Bibles, it's page 1036. And we'll pick up right at that big eight towards the top of the page. um, And it says this in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus traveled from wo- uh, about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathered and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. He said, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some "'Fell along the path. "'It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. "'Some fell on rocky ground, "'and when it came up, the plants withered "'because they had no moisture. "'Other seeds fell among the thorns, "'which grew up, and it choked out the plants. "'Still other seed fell on good soil.'" It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And we'll pick up on the other part later. But but many scholars, as we try and unravel the story they, they sometimes speculate as to what, what kind of seed is Jesus even talking about inside of the story. Was it like wheat, or beans, or mustard, or watermelon, cantaloupe? What, what, what kind of seed is, is being planted in this analogy? So that we can better understand and, and get a good picture of the scenario. But I can tell you that it was definitely corn. Corn. And here's how I know. Because it says in verse 8, when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. It's corn. It's a big lump of knobs. It's great. I told you, I would have a few more of these jokes up my sleeve. What can I say? I'm, I'm corny like that. Hopefully, it'll help help it stay ingrained in your minds. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm done for now. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, oh, shucks. That's good. But in, in all seriousness, the beauty of this parable is that we actually get to have an explanation as to what Jesus is actually talking about here. Because I'll be honest, if if I had just heard this, and and this is all that I had heard from Jesus, I may not have understood what Jesus was talking about at all. Because I'm not always that smart, and I don't don't understand all these farming references. And sometimes the figurative language of the Bible can go over my head, and I have no idea what's going on. Is anyone else out there that, that sometimes struggles with understanding what they're reading inside of the Bible? Absolutely. But instead, this particular parable, he takes the time to actually lay it out plain and simple for the disciples afterward. Check out what it says starting in verse 9. It says, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And this is actually a reference, if you see inside of your Bibles, it says it's a reference to Isaiah 6, chapter 6, verse 9. So he's fulfilling this this prophecy. But he goes on to say this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in times of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving, produce a crop. There's a major takeaway that I want you all to grasp for for having this parable explained. And the most important part is that we are in charge of cultivating our own soil. Each one of us has to be in charge of making sure we are truly ready to receive God's word. Maybe for a long time you've been in another category. The, The joy of God's word has eluded you. And you feel like you don't know what's wrong, but it never really clicks. So let me give you a few things that I I think we need to watch out for as we prepare ourselves for God's Word. Number one, beware of hardened hearts. The seed on the path, it encounters hardened soiled from the years of allowing others to trample upon it. Day by day, this heart is hardened to the point that the seed can't even penetrate the parts as, that are deep enough for it to even have a chance of changing. The devil is able to snatch it away because it sits outside of our hearts and is never going to get into it. Maybe for you this has happened because of your own outlook. You don't want another burden of being changed, and and you've hardened your heart to where nothing can come into it. Or, or maybe for you... Um, Maybe you've become this way with a hardened heart because of your encounters with other people, whether it's Christians or non-Christians, where they've put you down and trampled upon you so much that you are now just a shell of a person, and others have been dictating your life for you and belittled you to the point to where you can't even receive love and grace from anyone, let alone God. Because you just don't believe it anymore. Beware of a hardened heart unable to receive God's word. Number two is to be aware, beware of superficial stereotypes. The, the seed in the rock encounters a lack of depth in faith. May, maybe you've all heard the good about Christianity. That, that God will come and save you and that he loves you and that, that if you believe in him, you, he will protect you from harm. He'll take care of you and you don't have to worry about money at all. In fact, he will bless you even beyond anything imaginable. And you'll live your life to the full and in abundance. And all of this sounds great, but that is not what, the, what God's word says. That's not what the gospel truly is. We, we often call this inside of the church. This is like an inside term. We call it the prosperity gospel or health and wealth gospel. And it is false. Yes, God will protect you. He, he will save you from eternal punishment. But that does not mean that on our walk of faith, that, that it's all going to be sunshine and daisies and rainbows and unicorns. Jesus promises us inside of the gospel, that we will have troubles. In this life, you will have troubles. And know that this is because the world first hated me. Jesus promises us that we'll have troubles. And if we have this misconception of who God actually is, and we think that nothing bad is going to happen to us because we believe in him, because his love is so great for us, and when we don't have an abiding faith that says that I trust God no matter what life throws at me, we will get burnt. Our faith will deteriorate when hard times come, because we didn't know the true God that walks with us through the struggles and through the pain that we face in life. Beware giving into trivial faith and superficial stereotypes that will not stand up to difficulties. The the third one that we need to be aware of um, is beware of muddled minds. The, the seed among the weeds, it encounters distractions and worries of this life. Maybe you found yourself feeling like the joy of God has once again eluded you. Every time you hear about God, you, you can't seem to hold on to it. You, you try, but it generally just goes in one ear and out the other. And you don't take the time to really let it fester to take the time to truly think about God. I believe that a lot of us in life walk through it, distracted from what's most important, and our priorities get out of alignment because we allow other things to take precedence. Maybe you're sitting in this room right now thinking about what's next, what's for lunch. I know that 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 thought has crossed through my mind, and it's, it's continuing to cross through my mind that I want Skyline today, if that's okay with Carly. <laughs> Sweet. And I think about how I want to take a nap after this because I didn't sleep very well last night. And maybe watch some Netflix or, or Disney Plus. And did Carly give the dog water this morning? Good. <laughs> and did she put him in the mudroom? Good. Did she turn her straightener off? Yes, okay, good, good. <laughs> I digress. Sometimes th- these distractions are silly. A- and like the ones that I listed before. But, but sometimes these distractions are, are the difficult parts of life to put aside. How are we going to pay this month's bills? Why is my kid not doing well in school? What do I do with my aging parent who's starting to show signs of not being able to care for themselves? When is it time for us to see a therapist? All of these questions are crucial, and they're difficult to navigate. But don't let them deter you from encountering and being with a God who can provide guidance, who can provide wisdom, who can provide stability in times of confusion and chaos and uncertainty. Beware of muddled minds, unable to hear God's guidance because of distractions. So you may be thinking, Justin, you've told us all the things not to do. What do we do to actually make this happen? Well, Well, let's think about this metaphor just a little bit more. Just like Chris talked about earlier, what makes good soil and how can we obtain it for ourselves? How can we cultivate this? First of all, we must be humble. Good soil is soil that has been tilled, that has been broken down um, and literally broken apart And the soil has the opportunity for the space and the ability for the seed to go deeper into its roots because it is already broken apart. And sometimes we, inside of our lives, need to be broken down so that we can be built up in Christ. We need to be humble in the the aspect of allowing ourselves to break apart. Allowing ourselves to have the space for God to enter in. We need the humility to recognize that we can't do it on our own. Second, we must be healthy. Being healthy looks like having nutrients inside of our life having the right temperament and allowing a having a heart that is receptive to actually having God's word inside of like actual soil you need like nitrogen and other stuff I'm not a farmer <laughs> I couldn't tell you but I know you need nitrogen right yes are there any farm okay that part is important and different levels of nutrients we need to be healthy for ourselves as well. What that means is that we we, we can't go through life having all these distractions, having all this stuff standing in the way of us being with God. If if our internal life is not at least somewhat healthy, there's no way for us to encounter God because of the distractions of the unhealthy lifestyles that we have. Lastly, we must be steadfast. Sorry I couldn't finish the alliteration. Usually you want HHH, right? Uh, if you have suggestions, feel free to tell me after service. Uh, I was like, uh, headstrong would be all right, but it's not, it's not quite, it doesn't fit quite right. But here's what I mean by this. Life is going to throw a lot of stuff at us, and if we look at this metaphor of good soil, just like um, Chris was talking about earlier, you need some aged manure. We'll just put it that way. And life will throw a lot of aged manure into our own lives. There's going to be a lot of difficulties that we face, and and all of this stuff is it's not bad stuff for us to have. In fact, it actually helps point us toward God, helps us know that we need God and that we have to be able to endure some of the aged manure that life can throw at us. We need to be steadfast in the ability for us to withstand anything that life throws at us. And inside of this passage, I love the way that Luke sets it up particularly. Because inside of the first few verses, we get to see examples of people who do this. And this is not something that is commonly done inside of the Bible. Well, I mean, it's actually done inside of the Bible, but this was not done in cultures back then. It actually speaks about particular women of faith, and puts them by name inside of God's word, which is insane in and of itself. But I love this passage of Luke, and I love how Luke sets up this story by starting off with these examples of faith, of Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons came out of, And the fact that she was able to hear God's voice in the midst of that insanity is so incredible to me. I think about Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the the manager of Herod's household. This is the same Herod that Jesus actually has to go before later on when he is crucified. This guy was like a kind of a... Nut job. I don't have a better word for it. He, he was kind of insane. He kind of thought of himself as, he, he tried to live his best Roman life because he was actually, he was Jewish, but he was put in place by the Roman officials to be over the Jewish people. And, and Herod was, again, he did a lot of really weird stuff. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about it, but he, he was just a weirdo. And Joanna, in the midst of her husband, being the manager of Herod's household, whose, I think it was, what was it, father was the one that actually killed all of the babies right before, inside of Luke chapter 2. Like, this is the same, this is the same woman who's inside of the midst of all of this and still able to recognize Jesus for who he is and have a soil that is receptive to God. And I think of Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. They literally provided money for Jesus to do his ministry, which is insane in and of itself that, A, these women were making enough money to support Jesus, and B, they were willing to give it up to God. And this is all because they had the right soil, and I think that each and every one of us need to continue to cultivate our own soil to where we are receptive to God's word. But, but here's the final thing that I do want to talk about today. The most important piece of this, for those of us who have already experienced God's word and, and want others to as well, is that this parable not only highlights the importance of us cultivating our own soil and taking care of ourselves, but the crux of this parable lies on the generosity of the sower. Anyone in farming would probably tell you that the way that this guy sowed his seeds was not very smart. It's kind of nuts. God gives everyone an opportunity, whether they are ready or not to receive his word, we are called to sow generously and sow abundantly to those around us. Sharing God's word with those around you and planting the seeds of faith, regardless of whether or not you think that this person is going to receive God's word, whether or not you think that they deserve to hear God's word and allow others to do with it as they will. Nothing should stop us from sharing the gospel and this good news. No racial barrier, no income status, no social importance. Each and every person that we encounter and we interact with deserves to know a seed, a, a morsel, at least a small amount of what the gospel is. And that is the single most important job for us as believers. And as we, as we go today, I want to encourage you all to not only cultivate your own soil to receive God's word, but to sow generously with those around you. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter how they've treated you in the past. God calls us to sow seeds generously. And don't allow anything to stop you. So, as we close out today, I want to close with a word of prayer. So, if you would, let's bow together. Heavenly Father, You have indeed sowed generously in my own life. Lord, all the times that I didn't get it, all the times that I could not get it through my thick skull, you continued to be gracious through other people. And you allowed those seeds the opportunity to grow. Lord, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the way that you loved us Allow us to go from here and love others the way that you have and to sow generously to those around us. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.